This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Health Check. In this fortnightly podcast series on Wednesdays, The Straits Times guides you to healthier living and clears up misconceptions with our guests. I'm Joyce Teo and my co-host is Ernest Lewis. Today we have Ms. Lee Yiping. She's a senior youth support worker and team leader at CHAT, the Community Health Assessment Team at the Institute of Mental Health. Yiping is here to share with us some of the recent case studies at CHAT and how it's like going to CHAT for help. So hi Yiping. Hello Joyce. Thank hi. you for having me on this program. You're welcome. So it's CHAT's 10th anniversary this year, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so maybe you can start by telling us, you know, what CHAT can do to help these young people with mental health issues. Mm. I think first of all, I'd like to introduce CHAT as a National Youth Mental Health Assessment and Outreach Program. Mm-hmm. Like you rightly pointed out, it's for 16 to 30-year-old young people. So this might be young persons in tertiary institutes like ITE, polytechnics or universities, mm-hmm. as well as young people who just enter the workforce or are young working adults already. And I think in chat, we do a lot to want to break the stigma over mental health concerns in young people. Mm. And the whole idea is really to encourage more young persons to seek support early when they feel distressed with their mental health and with early intervention, early support then is to help them to get back on track with their lives and not let mental health conditions hinder their progress in terms of pursuing any ambitions they might have in life. Chat has a centre at Scape, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so do they just walk in and then talk to somebody there or how does it work? Our space in Scape, as we call Chat Hub, is mm-hmm. to encourage young persons who might be curious about mental health mm-hmm. to just drop in and maybe interact with us. And it's a one-stop shop for them to find as much mental health information as they can. When it comes to the assessment service that we provide, we would very much like people to get in touch with us via our chat website. Mm-hmm. So this is where we have a very easy online appointment system that they can fill up basic information. And then we will contact them via the phone, understand their concerns a little bit better, and over the phone, make some preliminary recommendations for them. I think this workflow is necessary because when we first started out in 2009, we probably just reached out to about 51 young persons. And I think over the past 10 years, we've done a pretty good job, we believe, in building awareness about our presence. So just last year alone, we've had about 1,700 young people who have approached us for support. So that's a change. Uh, You find the younger people are now dropping their inhibitions. There's not so much of a stigma for them. They're willing to approach. Yes, I think there is a change there Mm. in the sense they are more willing to seek help. So to some extent, it's also about them being aware of the available youth-friendly resources for them. Mm. And they are more willing to come forth and check out these services like CHAT. So Yiping, this episode is also meant to apply to parents and also caregivers. You want to explain to us the differences and how you break those down, the target crowd. The differences in parents and caregivers. Yes, yeah. Uh, What are the kinds of people who should be listening to our episodes and then drawing more from what we have to share? I think definitely for anyone out there who works with a young person aged between 16 to 30 years old, I think it is worthy of their time to listening to this podcast. Mm. So really, this would include parents with teenagers in their family. This might be an employer, might be a supervisor, a co-worker, a teacher perhaps, like an educator, lecturer, or a tutor. Okay, because they are involved in the care, right? The taking care of their charges as well. Yes, and I think why educators and lecturers is because a large bulk of our young people spend significant time in schools. So it makes sense for educators to be on the lookout and be aware 
and how to identify students who might need support. Well, to be honest, I think professionals like us sometimes do get stigmatized a lot. And also in our recent mental health study, we found that young people, when they're in distress, they will either go to a friend, mm. and if a teacher is trustworthy enough, they would also approach a teacher. Do you think there's an increasing uh, prevalence of mental health issues in our society now at this current age mm-hmm. than maybe it was 10 or 20 years ago? Or it's just that we never had the avenues and maybe people were more reserved? I think to be fair, we've not done enough research to compare prevalence over the years. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we've had two recent mental health studies, one done in 2010 and another done in 2016. And from the studies, it was found that mental health conditions start fairly early in life. And if you look at the various age group, those aged between 18 to 34, they are at the highest risk of developing mental health conditions. So prevalence of mental health conditions in this age group is the mm. highest. Okay. Right. And what are the main stresses for this group of people then? Mm, that's a very good question. I think over the past 10 years that we've been in contact with different young people, right? The stresses haven't changed much. Mm-hmm. And the most common ones being relationships. And when we talk about relationships, really this is about not just boy-girl relationships or romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. It's also about relationships with their peers, whether this is in school or in workplaces. It also includes relationships with family members. So not necessarily families which is affected by divorce or things like that. A lot of our young people come from very much intact families. Mm-hmm. And yet, poor relationships can happen in the family system and that concerns them a lot and that affects their ability sometimes to focus on academics, at work. So relationships is one of the stresses. The fear of not being able to perform well in school mm-hmm. and also in workplaces is also a common stressor. Mm. And finances is the next stressor that we often hear a lot from young persons. So whether this is school going, graduating, about to find a job, There's emerging adult responsibilities for Mm -hmm. young people. And so finances is one of the stresses that comes along with the adult responsibilities. And more so, I would say, I mean, with the cost of living and inflation and all that. Do you find that these young people give you a sense that they feel more alone now than ever? Or they feel that at least they can reach out through chat to other people to get some help? They find that they cannot get the help. Maybe they find they don't get the same level of support within their peers or their friends or even at the workplace. I think definitely about 80% of our referrals come from young persons directly and they know us by word of mouth through their friends and peers. And I think this signifies their trust that chat is an option that they can speak in confidence with. And again, when you talk about isolation, right, something for me to point out is that a lot of our young people would still have meaningful relationships with people around them. But when it comes to discussing mental health concerns, distress, Mm -hmm. some of the emotions, thoughts that they may have, the main fear that they encounter is whether or not others may understand. Because mental health concerns are things that you can't see. It's not like, you know, if I break my arm, you can see a Mm. bandage. But when I'm feeling low, Mm-hmm. It's very hard to tell. And this is one of the reasons why I think it hinders young person from wanting to speak to people around them right. for fear of being misunderstood, being judged mm-hmm. as being weak. And having to come to chat, meeting strangers like us, able to speak to us in confidence, I think that helps them able to channel out things in a way that is right for them, I guess. Well, now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. 
Now back to our conversation with Li Yiping from CHAT, the Community Health Assessment Team at IMH. How different is it from seeking professional help like a psychologist or a psychiatrist? What's the difference between IMH's chat team and this? Other? Ah, very yeah. good question there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think when someone sees a psychiatrist, a psychologist, counsellor or a social worker, this is where immediately these professionals can offer them treatment and interventions. In chat, we don't offer immediate interventions. What we do is we spend about an hour or so speak to them and try to understand their concerns that they have. And at the end of the session, we try to help them with making sense of what exactly is going on and then come to some consensus about what might be some treatment that needs to be put in place okay. that they can benefit from mm-hmm. so that they can feel better. So the recommendations might be to see a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or maybe an occupational therapist or a counsellor in the school. Okay. Yeah. Are there any charges involved in this? For those uh, who walk in? No. So if they make an appointment via online or walk in, our assessment service right now is free. Mm-hmm. It is definitely confidential and it is personalised. So coming to see us is not about filling up papers and then running through computerised programs to find out what they have. It's pretty much like a face-to-face conversation like how I'm having it with you now and discussing some of the things that they find it difficult to discuss with other people in their lives. Okay. Right. So, Yiping, for the people who come to chat, right, do they all have to give their names? Some of them may want to remain anonymous, right? Mm. I think if this is over the phone, we don't necessarily need their real name. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a name for us to be able to refer them by. Mm. Similarly for face-to-face, we don't need to have their full name, Mm -hmm. but a name that they feel comfortable for us to use when Mm -hmm. we speak to them in session. Right. Mm. So they don't need to tell you where they live or which school they go to if they're not comfortable with. Yeah, that is not necessary. I think what's more important is that when they are there face to face with us, Mm -hmm. we maximize the time we have with them, Mm -hmm. understand their concerns, give them the best positive experience Mm -hmm. so that even after their encounter with chat, Mm -hmm. they will stay on this help seeking process. Because ultimately, CHAT is not here to offer them interventions and to see them through their recovery. Rather, we link them to appropriate services that can best address their concerns. So it's really important to us that they stay on the help-seeking process beyond the first session with CHAT. Right, Mm -hmm. before you refer them to uh, further help. Yes, CHAT is here primarily to plug a gap. I think the first problem that we faced initially was about young people not coming early enough to Mm -hmm. seek support. And now that with Chad's presence, more people are coming to seek support. But I think the story doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. It's also important that they take up the recommendations and they continue to see the professional that we recommend them to and to stay on the number of sessions that they are required to see just to feel better. If after coming to Chad and they decide to drop out of the whole treatment process Mm -hmm. I think that is something that will not be something good that we would like to see so we want to improve that portion as well Okay, so basically it's just to plug the holes in the identification process at the start, right? Yes, so probably see it like we want to strengthen the safety net for young people in distress and not let young people fall through any gaps or cracks because we believe that mental health distress, if you don't address it early, you don't provide adequate support at an early phase, such distress can evolve into serious mental health conditions. Okay, so we shall have links to IMH's uh, chat service in our podcast text below. 
So Yiping, what are the conditions that these young people uh, mostly have? In chat, majority of the young persons who do have mental health conditions, right, um, mm-hmm. a large part of them struggles with what we call mood disorders, mm-hmm. commonly depression. We do have a handful of young people who also struggle with bipolar disorder. I think one third of them presents with anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. So social phobia or what we call social anxiety disorder being fairly common, followed by generalized anxiety disorder and also panic disorder. I think I also want to highlight there's this other one third who presents with psychosis-related experiences. Psychosis typically involves three categories of uh, symptoms. So young people who experience psychosis, commonly they might experience hallucinations. Delusions, so these are very false and fixed beliefs about things happening around them that threatens their safety and their ability to go through daily life activities. At a very severe stage, the illness or the condition may even affect their ability to think properly and to behave in a way that is considered normal by the general public. As a young person, how would I know when I should seek help? Right? What are the warning signs? When we do training, we mm. educate people Don't go online and kind of fill up your own self-rating skills. And there's no need to memorize lists of signs and symptoms of various disorders. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to mental health conditions, there are huge overlaps Mm -hmm. with one another. So some of the key things that we ask people to look out for really is a change, right? To pay attention to whether there's been a change in the way they've been thinking, whether there's a change in their worldview, a change in the way they've been feeling about events happening around them as well as um, behavior. Mm-hmm. So some of the changes that to expand on it would include someone who might be quite optimistic, just gradually over time became a bit more pessimistic, started feeling more worthless than usual, more hopeless about life as usual. Perhaps someone who may have keen interest in activities like dancing, drawing, singing, for some reason started to lose interest in those activities or may kind of withdraw from their peers or their family members. So basically, first thing, don't freak myself out by reading too much online. Mm. Know that that something is happening to me and then I can make the first step myself by approaching chat, right? Either online or I can go to Scape in Orchard Road and then make a walk-in appointment or something like that. Yes. Thank you, Yiping. Thank you very much for having me on this program. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you like this latest healthy living tips. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.